Welcome to the Helping Hands podcast with me, Gail Louise Turner. On this podcast, I will be chatting to inspirational people and I will be finding out about their life story, their influences and how they give that extra helping hand every day. If you'd like to follow me, please go to my Facebook, which is Gail Louise Turner or on my Instagram, which is Gail GLT. Each episode of the Helping Hands podcast will be having an accompanying Spotify playlist with my guest musical influences. This can be found under Helping Hands podcast playlist on Spotify. Now it's time to sit back and relax and enjoy the show. My guest today is fellow presenter from Redshift, Paul Boniface. Now, Paul Boniface used to present the Sunday morning show. It was such a popular show and I I do miss that. You can contact Paul Boniface on his Twitter profile, which is at Paul Boniface. You can find this episode on Spotify, Captivate, Apple iTunes and many other podcast outlets. If you just search for Series 3, Episode 2, Helping Hands with Paul Boniface, that's where the podcast episode is. If you want to find the accompanying Spotify music playlist, please go to Spotify and search for Gail GLT84. And to find the music playlist, if you look for Gail Louise Turner, Helping Hands podcast playlist, Paul Boniface. Thank you. So thank you to Paul Boniface who's joining me this evening. How are you, Paul, and how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I've had a a lovely uh, visit to Arley Gardens today, which is a beautiful gardens up near Northwich. So uh, feeling good. That that sounds lovely. So I know we've met through Redshift Radio and Redshift Online, and I'd like to go um, through that in a little bit more detail and where we met and, and sort of what conversations we've had. But first of all, before you do go into that, I just want to know... If you can tell me about yourself, your interests, your workplace, what, what, um, well, your life story here. I'm here to tell you your life story and what you do as a profession. Okay, well, that's absolutely fine. So, um, well, do you want me to start at the beginning? Yes, please. Okay, so just a brief background then. So I was, um, I had my primary school years in the Midlands in, uh, in Leicestershire. I had my, uh, my secondary school years um, in Hampshire by the coast. And then when I was uh, 19, I moved up to, uh, to London and uh, had seven or eight years in London before uh, getting married. And then uh, my wife and I moved out to the suburbs, northeast Kent, which is just around the M25 um, outside London. And uh, we grew our family. So I've got two children and now I've got uh, five grandchildren as well. And yeah, during the period of, uh, of that, I also worked for several different um, organizations. So when I was, um, when I left school with, uh, with not the greatest level of communication, uh, of uh, qualification, it has to be said, um, I joined Lloyds Bank. So I worked for them for five years in a couple of different places in the country, Hampshire and Surrey. And then I had an offer to join an American bank in the city of London, uh, which I did and I worked for them for five years. And then I had uh, an offer, or rather I chose uh, to join a Swiss bank where I worked for 20 years. Uh, Following that period of doing retail banking, international banking, investment banking, um, I then became uh, a trainer, uh, firstly of banking, and then later on of management training. So I did that for 
15 years or so around the globe. And then after that, I had an invitation from a friend of mine in the Midlands, or rather the North, we would call it, Nantwich, here in Cheshire, to join his company, which was called Able World. And we're a retail organization uh, that helps the elderly and the disabled uh, to get more mobility and become more active um, and comfortable. So we've got, when I joined them, we had eight stores. Um, I helped set up the franchise operation and later I was head of uh, HR. And we've now got 38 stores around the country and we are the leading mobility retailer in the UK. So that sounds very, very interesting. So that's that's quite a different um, spectrum of, of sort of a workplace and industry. So you go from the banking world, which is quite corporate, to to able world, which is like um, for, for disabled people and helping people. So what, what first of all, made you change from the, the career and explain um, in detail for me how um, each profession and each industry, how it, how it differs of helping people and, and helping the community? How does it differ? Well, it's, it's interesting you should say that, actually, because when I started in banking and I was a, um, you know, a branch banker, so just your, your normal banker that you went to see in the high street, there was a feeling of helping people, actually. Uh, so, you know, you'd help people to get their first mortgage. You'd help people you know, to, um, uh, to, to help themselves get uh, things like holidays or, or maybe they were saving up to get married or maybe they wanted to buy their first car. So I did feel that there was an element of, of community in that. I know the banks get a bad rep and uh, sometimes they deserve it. But at the grassroots level, I think having an understanding bank person can help you to manage your life more effectively. Now, I then joined the world of investment banking. And yes, I helped people. But towards the end, I was, I was helping mainly rich people. <laughs> Now, that didn't feel quite the same level of satisfaction, if you like. Um, and certainly when I got involved in international banking, then you're lending hundreds of millions, if not billions of money to, uh, company, uh, to countries, rather, where, you know, quite frankly, you weren't quite sure where the money was going. That didn't feel quite so satisfying. So I think that was really in my mid-years when I thought about making a change. And fortunately, I had an opportunity of developing my skills into the world of training. So first of all, I leveraged off the knowledge that I had gained as, a, as an international banker. And so I trained a few technical skills and knowledge skills around banking. But really, I wanted to find out how I could make and help people to become better managers, uh, both of themselves and of groups that they led. So that was, that was very satisfying. And the skills that I learned in becoming a management trainer have helped me enormously in the latter part of my life, both, um, both individually and I believe in helping friends to reach conclusions that, that have been satisfactory to them. So yeah, very, a very different world. And I believe the world of training is very important and certainly the behavioral skills and so on and so forth i hope i've been able to transfer particularly when i was coaching people uh, towards living a more happy and successful lives which means that they themselves can solve their own problems um, and get more enrichment from that 
so so mainly then what would be the the, the most transferable skill that you you've um, you've took from your learnings and you transferred to to the the right people at the right time what is that main transferable skill that you can you can picture and you can say wow I've helped that person do that the main skill in managing people and you know that's not just professionally but also personally as well are is communication so they're communication skills and in particular i would say the ability to listen and reflect um, when you are having a conversation with somebody particularly if you're trying to help i can i completely agree with that i'm, I'm really really glad you've said that so so um i know we've met at redshift so you feel that everything that you've learned have brought you here today and and obviously we met at redshift so what actually got you from the able world into redshift and how did you end up around here because you, you told me you were in a different location so how, how has all this been brought about well uh, there was a change of circumstances in my life when um, i moved up here about 11 or 12 years ago and i really could have had um, several different paths to take so i took a year off and i also trained as an english teacher and one of my plans was to go abroad and teach children um, English. So I wanted to go to a Spanish location, possibly South America. And so I was actively looking at that, having qualified as a TEFL teacher, uh, you know, teaching English as a foreign language. When a friend of mine, my oldest friend actually, um, phoned me up and said, look, why don't you come up to Nantwich in Cheshire and um, just, just have a look around and, and, and see, because we've got a possible opening up here where you, we think you could help us. So I came up, um, I did spend a, a couple of weeks up here. And to be honest with you, Gail, I just fell in love with Nantwich uh, and with Cheshire and with everything that I kind of discovered around here. And then I joined um, the company of my friend, it was called Able World. And although we'd been friends for many years, I was amazed at the ethical company that he had set up. So it was still in its relatively early days, although it had been going for eight or nine years. And yeah, that persuaded me that um, really enjoying the, the area up here, all aspects of it, um, and also having the opportunity to be associated with a company that has got a straight line through to helping people. So our stuff, you know, I don't wish to, you know, make a, too much of it, but our stuff changes lives. You know, if you help, if you put a stair lift in for somebody, you know, that previously the owners or the occupants had to, in some cases, literally crawl up the stairs to go to the toilet. And you put a stair lift in for the, for the cost of, you know, a one week's overseas holiday, that can change their lives. And we know from the feedback that we get that the stuff we do and the way we do it genuinely makes a difference. Have you got any success stories? So anybody who's actually come back to you today, for example, in COVID and actually said, thank you very much, Paul. You really, really supported me. And with, without that extra aid and that extra help, I, I wouldn't be the person I would be today. I wouldn't have that that sort of extra help in hand, that that, that special life um, without what you do. Does, does anybody actually come back to you and, and say, thank you, Paul? Well, of course, I should have mentioned that I retired last December. So whilst I'm still connected with the company, and indeed I'm a non-executive director now, I don't have day-to-day -day dealings with the public or day-to-day -day dealings with my colleagues at head office, which is where I principally work. But one of the initiatives I set up 
when I was uh, head of HR there was we have a weekly bulletin and I introduced the first section of the weekly bulletin that goes out to all our staff with a selection of comments that we had received the previous week from our customers. And I can't tell you how heartwarming uh, those letters are um, and those email messages and phone messages that we get of feedback from customers who are so thankful for all that we do for them. So yes, there are hundreds, thousands of examples every year of how we help people. I think it's nice to get that feedback as well because I, I think people aren't necessarily recognised and and it's nice to get that thanks because because when you put 100% into your job and um, you don't always see the results but it's it's nice that these customers and possibly the the colleagues and the friends and the associates that you've met through time it, maybe it's 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 a nice thing to and put that smile on your face and 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 actually probably make your day and maybe then you want to go into work and I think I think that's quite important do do you believe that I certainly do and I believe as well that it's on the other foot and I always take an opportunity whenever I come across anybody whether it's in the supermarket whether today it was when I popped into the badger for a half on the way home or when I was at Arley Gardens and talking to the people uh, in the gift shop I always believe that you all of us if we can just take a moment in our lives to say hey, that was a really good visit. Thanks very much. I really appreciated uh, the way that you served me. Or you've got a lovely place here and you're just the right person to uh, do the job here. If we genuinely mean it and we've got an opportunity to say it, I believe that makes the world a better place. That, that's that's exactly what I want to hear. So thank you very much for that. So I've, I've been researching you today and I know we've met. So I've researched you again from a different point of view. So on the pre-record this morning, I've looked at your, your Twitter address, which is at Paul Boniface. And I found that you've had a, a, a close uh, professional relationship and possibly friends with Nantwich Cricket Club and the Nantwich Museum, which is very, very positive local local people with local stories and friendships there. So what's your affiliation with the Nantwich Museum and the Nantwich Cricket Club? Well, the Nantwich Cricket Club, I'm a fan. I've been a fan of cricket all my life. And so I just go along and support them from time to time. With the museum, again, I am a friend of the museum. I'm associated with the museum. And from time to time, they ask me to do things uh, to support them. So for example, they wanted to produce a video quite recently of the Great Fire of Nantwich. And they had a professional group of actors come and do that video for the children when they come, you know, when the children come and um, visit the museum. But they also wanted a narrator. So somebody to front the video, in, you know, to stand in front of the, the camera and to introduce the little snippets of the museum. So I did that for them as well. Lovely. So moving on now with, with, with your story. So so in, in a general sense, um, I would like to know, how do you help yourself and others in your daily life? And what made you want to help others? That's an interesting question. I'm, I'm not really sure um, how to answer that. I think uh, it possibly came a little bit later in life for me. I think I was quite driven when I was younger. I'm not sure that I was um, the, the person I am today. I think that's only happened maybe in the last 25 years, probably since I started training people and coaching people. And you do get a lot of satisfaction out of it. Let's, let's be fair, it's not all altruistic. It's, it's really nice to 
feel that you've helped somebody. And uh, as you were saying, if you get that appreciation as well, um, that makes a, a huge amount of difference. So, so going then, so the, the people that you've met through your life and, and things you've seen and heard and recognised, what are your influences? And um, I, I mean, you, you've been with us for a long time, which is great. But what are your main influences and what can you tell your friends and audience, really? And, and, and how do these influences help you? Yeah, your influences start when you're very young, don't you? And um, I was brought up um, for a number of years by a single mum. She'd been married, got divorced, and then very courageously um, in the 19, late 1950s and early 1960s, when it wasn't very fashionable to do so, brought up two boys on her own. Um, so I guess my mum was my very biggest influence when I was younger. Then we had the, she had the, the good fortune to marry my stepfather when I was about 12 or 13. And again, when I look back now, I think his soft, helpful, generous personality influences me even to this day. Um, and then as I went through my working life, there were people from time to time that I admired and, and I thought, yeah, if I could kind of add something into that, that would be really good. And, in the early days, I think a lot of those were male characters. So I think I was possibly looking for um, not a father substitute exactly, but because I hadn't in my very early days had a role model of a father, I could really make my own mind up about what kind of person and what kind of father I wanted to be, particularly when I had children of my own. So I think that was very useful for me because I drew on a lot of sources not just people, but also reading, um, also kind of studying and, and thinking about, you know, what would make, I was going to say a good person, that sounds a bit sanctimonious, but, you know, how could you make yourself the best person that you could possibly be? And again, I suppose, so So really you, you were looking at yourself and, and your behaviours and how you acted. And did that help you with your coaching and training? And and even in today um, with, with, with COVID, have you met people along the way? And I know you've retired, but would you would you meet people on the way and actually think, I would really, really like to coach you. Um, you, you are inspirational to me. And actually, I really wish I could do that. Do you still see that today? Yeah, I do do that today, but I keep it pretty quiet. So you'll forgive me if I don't mention any particular examples. But yes, that is a, that is a, something I hope I offer my friends from time to time when they want it. Um, and uh, it, it is satisfying if you can ever help anybody, isn't it? So, so um, I know I've seen you before uh, public speaking and met you in the radio and uh, I think you've hosted some quizzes and things like that and, and um, helped at the Nantwich show. You've done so much and I mean, there's so much to you that I don't know. So um, please feel free to go through that with me. But how did you get into radio and, and podcasting and, and what memories do you have from this? Well, I'm glad you've mentioned that because my, the first track you're going to ask me about covers that quite nicely but um let me uh, let me tell you about that then so uh when i was at able world i was um i was introduced by somebody to liz southall who said who was the founder of redshift radio who suggested i come along and talk about my company able world i think we might have met at a business group or something 
and uh, be interviewed by the then business presenter. So I went on uh, as a guest, rather like I'm a guest on your program. And then at the end of that, um, I think they appreciated what I'd said. And uh, a couple of weeks after we'd had this interview, rather like the interview we're having today, but about my company rather than about me. Liz phoned me up and said, look, the presenter of the business show is leaving. Um, would you like to come along and have a go? Well, I'd never done anything like it before, um, but I thought, well, why not? So I went along and yeah, I enjoyed it. So I, I ended up by taking over the business show for a couple of days a week uh, for a couple of years. But I always had my eye, Gail, on a music show. And I've loved pop music all my life. Um, certainly when I was younger, I say all my life, certainly when I was younger, there were gaps later on. But um, the 60s, the early 70s, that was my period. So I always thought, well, if I could grab a show somewhere <laughs> that, that meant me presenting 60s, 70s music, I'd really like that. And actually, something like that happened uh, where I was able to present a show. I called it uh, Sunday Brunch, and uh, that was from 10 till 12 on a Sunday. And I played pop music from across the decades. So we did a pilot show, Liz and Gavin really enjoyed it. And uh, that became something that I did for the next nine years. Yes, yeah, so I was gonna ask you a few more questions on that. So the content, so, so did you have any features of the week? So you played a variety of music, did you have guests, that kind of thing? And how long was the show? Yeah, so it was a couple of hours from uh, on a Sunday morning. In the end, um, I was asked to change my schedule a little bit to accommodate a couple of other people who were coming in. So we made the, show from 9 to 11 rather than 10 till 12 and I didn't think it was appropriate to call it Sunday brunch anymore so I renamed it easy like Sunday morning and the, the music I played was tuneful music pop music and the first example of something on my playlist is exactly that and um, so yeah we had regular features like everybody has regular features so I had a rock wildly irons hot feature for one of my friends uh, who contacted me quite a lot one of the regular listeners she used to say she did her ironing um, to my show on a Sunday morning. So well, I played a bit of upbeat music, which I called Rock While the Iron's Hot. Uh, we had the regular series of, uh, of birthdays, which I celebrated in the second hour. And uh, then there was a, a little Beatles uh, slot and several other things like that, just to link the show together. So, so, so really you're, you're a male presenter. What sort of audience, you, when, you, when you were on the microphone and you were, and you were presenting that music show, because that is your passion, what sort of audience member did you envisage and who did you actually get in the end? Well, that's a great question, actually, um, because when I was growing up, we, there was a programme on the radio when I was very, very young um, that was principally aimed at the armed forces abroad. And I can't quite remember the name of it now, but effectively what was happening was people would be connected via the radio and make requests for their family members in other parts of the world. So I always imagined a family sitting around a breakfast table or a brunch table and, um, uh, you know, me playing music that would, you know, keep the, the youngsters happy, but also keep the, uh, the middle aged people and even the older people happy as well. So that's why it really was, as I called it in those days, music from across the decades. Wow, and I think it's quite good to get an electric taste of music, and I think I think that's how how um, um, it, it goes really. And I think um, you you have been listening to a lot of music through your lifetime, so I think you're probably one of the 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 best people to talk to about the music. So saying that, I'm going to get onto your Spotify playlist now. Now, 
as I said earlier, when I was speaking to you, I have researched some of the lyrics for these songs and it's absolutely amazing. So just to introduce your Spotify playlist then, if you all go to Spotify and look for my page, which is GLGLT84, in order to find Paul Boniface's five song choices if you look for the gail louise turner helping hands podcast playlist paul boniface that's where his music is so the first song on this list is train and drive by like i said i've already looked at the lyrics but please explain why you've why you've actually chose the song i've already listened to it and i can understand why but i'd like you to tell me well, I, I, I like lyrics. I like lyrics very much. And some of the other songs have got lyrics that do mean uh, quite a lot. To be honest with you, with Drive By, I just love the beat. I love the, um, the, the, the whole experience of listening to it. And it comes from a period that really had escaped me. So as I say, I, I listened quite a lot in the 60s, 70s, and the 80s to a certain extent, but the 90s and noughties, I, I'd really tuned out of listening too much to pop music for one reason or another. And when I joined Redshift Radio and people started requesting songs, then I started to get connected with the noughties and the tens in particular. And I really, really enjoyed the music and it was as good as stuff from the 60s. And, and an example of that was Train. And one of the early records I remember thinking, wow, that is such a great song. Um, that that's why I've chosen it. I've chosen it to remind me of the fantastic time I had at Redshift Radio for all the great people I met, and for this reconnection uh, with superb up-to-date pop music. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I think it was all about the music for us and all the people that we met. And uh, those memories are still there and it's great. And perhaps one day we will all be reunited. And, and I hope that even if it's in a quiz, I think maybe, maybe that's the way to go. So your second choice, The Kinks and Waterloo Sunset. Why have you chosen that one? Well, the Kinks uh, is a group from the 1960s. They had uh, several um, songs at the time, several hits at the time. And most of the songs were written by Ray Davis, who is one of the most prolific UK uh, uh, songwriters of all time of pop music. So I, I wanted to kind of celebrate that, but I could have chosen so many records from the 60s, Gail. You know, uh, the first album I ever bought was by a group called the Beach Boys after I'd been to my first ever all night party when I was about 15. That had strong memories for me. But Waterloo Sunset is a lovely kind of narrative song and a beautiful um, kind of lyric to it where you can imagine Terry and Julie going over the river and you can imagine Waterloo Bridge and Waterloo Sunset. And when I was 20, 21, I moved up to London on my own and I used to travel across the Thames every day to go to work and I would see Waterloo Bridge and I would see often if I especially this time of year you know going home at about 5 five thirty, you'd see the sunset so a gorgeous gorgeous song lovely lovely lyrics simple but kind of heartfelt and it reminds me of the great days I had in London uh, when I was single and indeed when I was married as well but particularly those years from 20 to 30 when I was desperately trying to stay single until I was 30 and, uh, and enjoy my life as a bachelor. 
No, I agree with you. So I, I was just looking at the lyrics for this one. And um, according to the, the the kinks, and I quote, people so busy make me feel dizzy. And I, I can I can understand that. And it, it sounds like you really, really enjoyed your, your time in London. And um, so you were a city man. And now you've come to the, the, the countryside. It, it must be nice looking back at their memories. Well, that was an interesting lyric that you chose there, because Every day for about 20 years, I walked across London Bridge. And London Bridge is a very, very busy place at eight or seven o'clock in the morning, I can assure you. Um, it's absolutely teeming with people going into the city, a quarter of a million people pouring into the city of London. You know, that is that square mile that contains the financial institutions. And then again, when they went home as well. So yes, it was a very busy time, uh, but a, a most enjoyable time as well. And as any of your uh, listeners will know, the ages between kind of late teens to uh, when you get married are absolutely vital for making strong friendships that last forever. Yeah, I think that's a very, very nice thing. And it's a good thing to hold on to as well. So your your next choice, so Coldplay. And Coldplay are, are quite a popular band and they, they have fantastic instruments and fantastic lead singers. So why did you choose Fix You? Well, first of all, really, why did I choose Coldplay? Um, and it, it is, it goes back to that period where I didn't listen to pop music very much. And when I started to listen to some of the stuff, I mean, I could have chosen a track from The Killers. I could have chosen a track from Snow Patrol, for, um, from R.E.M., from all these people that I hadn't listened to. And so I came to it pretty late, actually. And I came to Coldplay pretty late as well. So I think of these as up-to-date songs, even though uh, yourself and younger people will probably think, well, that's, that's a pretty old one, actually, Paul. To me, they're still fresh. And I don't know whether you or your listeners have ever uh, listened to a Radio 4 programme called Desert Island Discs. It's a little bit like your show. Um, the, uh, the presenter interviews people and they play eight songs from their life. And I remember a year or two ago listening to a Desert Island Disc by a surgeon who worked all hours. And in addition to working all hours and saving people's lives, he also then volunteered and did work overseas um, to help in, in poorer countries. And he was a man who was just kind of absolutely obsessed and uh, in the most positive way with helping people. And then he told a lovely story about how he met his life, uh, how he met his wife. And this was one of the songs. This was a song that he wanted to play um, for his wife. And when I heard the words in this one, and I, I think there's a little bit of emotion coming through in my voice now, even though I think about it. Um, and the lyrics of Fix You, it really affected me. So I chose Coldplay to represent all those new bands for me. And this particular track for the absolute kind of heartbreaking, emotional lyrics of that particular song. Yes, and, and if I may, I did actually pick one out from, from the song. So I agree with you what you're saying about Coldplay because I like a lot of the 80s and 90s music. And I think primarily I've gone back in time and looked to some war music and things like that. So for me, Coldplay would be a, a modern day song. So the lead singer talks about um, trying your best to be successful, but you don't quite get there. So again, I agree with you, you're, you're feeling that emotion. And I think people can recognise the lyrics and put themselves and it's, it is quite an emotive song. So I do agree with you there. Yes, I mean, there are, there are, limit, there are lyrics all throughout that and, and, and particularly 
um, you know, when he's talking about actually trying to fix people, you know, one of the refrains, for example, is lights will guide you home and ignite your bones and I will try to fix you. So it's a, a beautiful kind of restorative uh, lyric that. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's it, I mean, we, we, we could all look at lyrics and, and take it to heart, but I think it's nice to to look at them in a in, in a different way, like you say, like Desert Island Discs. And I think that that Radio 4 show is quite inspiring. So I do agree with you that. So moving on to your your next track. Now you've chosen tra- Travelling Willoughby's and Handle With Care. Explain to me why you've chosen this particular track. Well, the Travelling Willoughby's um, were a super group. And in my opinion, the best super group ever. Uh, they were formed of... Um, five musicians, four of whom sing on it, one of whom back, back, uh, sings uh, some of the back um, vocals. And the, the super group was, um, was chosen of artists who I could really have picked on their own. So it had Tom Petty in it, that great American singer, um, rock singer. It had a member of the Beatles and the Beatles were part of my backstory as well. Um, and George Harrison was a member. Bob Dylan, who I know is kind of Marmite to a lot of people, but he has written some cracking songs. Adele covered one of his songs and um, uh, he's written some absolutely amazing ones. He's written some bad ones as well and his voice isn't the best, but um, when you get a good one, it really is good. And another singer called Roy Orbison, who had a beautiful, beautiful voice. He was visually impaired. And they were the four main singers and then they were backed up by Jeff Lynne. Now, I don't know if you know about Jeff Lynne, but he was the guiding light behind ELO. And ELO, again, cracking songs, cracking production. So I chose a track from them. And I think Handle With Care is track one from album one. So wow, wow, that's amazing. You, you know your music there. That's very, very good. Um, so the, 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 uh, the, the next one, Disturbed and Sounds of Silence. Wow, what a song. It is a song. It's a very powerful song. And you know, I wanted to choose a singer-songwriter because singer-songwriters have been at the heart of my enjoyment of music um, for as long as I can remember. And, you know, even, even these days, I, I like the, the singer-songwriters. And when we were on the radio station, Gail, we had a great singer, two couple of great singer-songwriters, and Jonathan Tarpley and Tim, who, um, Tim Lee, who featured in his own shows on, on Redshift Radio. And, you know, now you've got some good ones around as well. So I wanted to pick a singer-songwriter. And to me, that's my two favourite singer-songwriters over the years have been Paul Simon and James Taylor. Now, James Taylor had You've Got a Friend and, and several others in the 1970s. Paul Simon started his career over 50 years ago. And I was only watching his concert with Art Garfunkel um, in Central Park the other night on the television as they replayed it back. Many people will know Bridge Over Troubled Waters, but even before Bridge Over Troubled Waters, there was this lovely song, The Sounds of Silence. And it's a really kind of um, social commentary about how people um, don't really listen. The messages are out there, um, but but nobody's listening. And, And even during the last couple of weeks, there are people screaming at the politicians, screaming at the people who control the world, to say, we are in trouble. This planet is not going to last very long unless you do something about it. 
And there's this massive feeling that people are just not listening. But as it says in the lyrics of The Sound of Silence, the words of the prophets are written on the subway walls. It's all out there. You just have to listen. So it's a great song, you know, about communicating and what happens if you don't communicate it. Now, I love the folk singer kind of um, version of this, very, very much so. But a couple of years ago, when I heard Disturbed, who are a real rocky American band, I mean, they are a heavy metal band. When I heard them do it and how they broke it down into three or four different areas where it starts off nice and slow, then it moves up a little bit more, then it moves up a little bit more, and by the time you get to the climax, he is and they are banging it out, almost as if they're saying, for God's sake, listen. <laughs> and so I really, really enjoyed the song. I wanted to celebrate the singer-songwriters. Paul Simon has been with me musically all my life, all my adult life and teenage life anyway. And I really, really appreciated this latest version. I know, and, and and it sounds like as a music lover, it was so important to you to, to hear these songs. And, and I'm great they had such a, an influence and sort of that you've recognized their, their, their behaviors and sort of what, what the songs mean. And I think as a sort of um, a music presenter and a coach and a communicator, that must have been so important for you. Yes, I mean, I won't give you a list of all the people I left out because choosing five is virtually impossible. But I hope that gives uh, you know, those people who tune into the, the playlist, I hope they enjoy it. Well, I've actually just found some more information on you, so, so if I may. So I've already told you uh, where, where the listeners can find your, your, your Spotify playlist for this podcast, but I've just gone back to Mixcloud.com because a lot of our old shows from Redshift Radio and Redshift Online are on there. So I don't know if you knew this, but I've just found some of your shows. So what you need to do, everybody, if you go to mixcloud.com, and I've just literally typed in Paul Boniface. Okay, so for example, I've just found some shows. So Easy Like Sunday Morning, I know you ch uh, change it from uh, Sunday Brunch to Easy Like Sunday Morning, and the shows there I can see them. They've gone back to 2017. There's so many inspirational shows here. And, and I know um, that you can play them and listen to them and, and re-listen to the show. And there's so many here. So, and they've got like a bit of an ident here. And I remember you were sponsored by Hulse Smith Whittingham. And I, and I remember that. So please feel free, listeners, to go and listen to some of Paul Boniface's music shows on mixcloud.com because I think it's great uh, really to to reminisce on all of the old shows so they've, they've got the Sunday brunch ones there and the easy likes Sunday morning so yeah it comes with a health warning you know, though or uh, because in the early days I was learning so uh, you know as we were all learning you listen back now as your own critic and think oh I could have done better than that <laughs> Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I do that all the time. So, but then I think, well, it's entertainment and it's um, informational and people learn things and find out. And then I think if you are, I wouldn't say silly enough, if you're brave enough to do it and, and you don't care, and well, you don't care what people say, but you do care about what you're doing and you want to put that sort of the good behavior out there and, and help people. I think I think it's very, very important. But but um, so thank you for all of your your work there. And I'm, I'm hoping you can do some more. So if you do choose to do some more radio work or, or communicating or quizzes, please let me know and we'll get that shared for you. But um, I would like to know what you are currently doing at the moment. So 
has anything changed for you during COVID and what are your current plans and what do you plan to do in the future? Well, as I mentioned to you, Gail, I, I retired almost a year ago. And so because of COVID, a lot of the plans that I had, which would have included traveling, for example, have had to be put on hold. So really what I'm doing is I'm working on a couple of projects uh, for myself. I'm, I'm still continuing to learn a few things. So one of the things I'm, I'm brushing up on is, uh, is Spanish. Um, so I do, I do that every day. I also do a, a fair amount of walking. I walk about 10 miles a day for the last, uh, for the last year. So the soles of my feet are a bit thin, um, but it's been uh, highly enjoyable. I've got five grandchildren, um, three of whom are being homeschooled uh, by my daughter. So I go along and, and help that where I can. I'm still associated with uh, the Crew and Natwich Talking Newspaper, which produces uh, local news um, on tape for the visually impaired people. I'm still a non-executive director with Able World, so I'm involved with that. I also do things that I just like to do uh, and that take me back to being a kid. So um, I, I play table tennis uh, every week and uh, just try and enjoy myself in the, in the best way that I possibly can. I've had a couple of offers of things to do in terms of um, uh, helping in the community. And, and I will be taking more of those up once I have an opportunity of kind of getting a few things off my plate in terms of traveling and stuff like that and commit uh, myself more regularly uh, to something in the future. Well, thank you very much for participating in this podcast episode. And uh, I'm on series three now, so thank you for that. And um, please do keep in touch. Um, like I said on the podcast, I've put uh, details of where everybody can find you. And uh, I'm sure that people who like to help and fellow music lovers will be definitely listen to you, you, your work on Spotify and Mixcloud. So thank you very much for participating. Thank you very much and have a good evening. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much and good luck to you. Thank you. Good night. Goodbye.